This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So there's some angst out there about Apple, it seems, and that's because it appears to be lagging a bit. It's not joined in in the 2024 party in the same way that some of the other Magnificent Seven stocks have, or even just tech in general. Over the last year, Apple has underperformed quite a bit, and I took a look to see what it's underperformed, if if anything, but it has, um, and just to kind of com- give us some comparisons. So Apple stock, of course, ticker AAPL, was up 24.2% in the last year. That sounds pretty good normally, right? Like who's complaining about a stock up 24% in a year? But we are because the S&P 500, which I took a look at using the Vanguard ETF, VOO, that's up 27.4% now. So it's lagging a bit and the lagging is coming recently. So that's where the angst is. It was actually beating the S&P 500 up until just like a couple of weeks ago um, over the last year. But people, you know, only want to know what's just been happening, not what's been happening for the prior time. Right. We're only worried about right now. Um, I took a look at QQQ because you might want to own that if you also own Apple. And that's up 48.5%. So that's pretty red hot. So you can kind of see if you are an Apple investor, why you're feeling like it's really lagging because it it is almost half of the gains of the QQQs, which is, you know, very easy to own as well. Took a few looks at a few of the other Magnificent Sevens that I feel like are kind of in the same categories. So somewhat and meta platforms that's been very hot it's up 163.8 percent but even looking at microsoft kind of you know also went ipo in the 1980s i guess did apple go in 80s it might have even been late 70s for apple but they've both been around a long time and that's up 60.2 percent and even Berkshire Hathaway, where you know Buffett has the big position in Apple, and it's the you know linchpin of his equity portfolio, and he loves it. He gushes about it all the time in many of the shareholder letters, and certainly at the annual meeting. Even Berkshire Hathaway is up 34.3% in the last year. It was breaking out to new all-time highs, again, compared to Apple up just 24.2%. So the old old economy stock is beating what has been up until just recently one of the hottest of the tech uh you know stocks that you know regular investors have owned and did very well with. So what's it all about? Why is it lagging? Is the valuation finally catching up with what the stock is doing? Are investors and the street finally saying the stock is just a little too pricey for what this growth rate is? That is one of the theories kind of swirling out there. And so I thought I'd take a look at what is going on with Apple first off, um, because Berkshire Hathaway does own it. 
And I know many value investors own it because Berkshire owns it. And maybe they bought it 10 years ago, like when Berkshire bought it in 2016, when it was very cheap, it was definitely a value. And what's going on with it now? So uh, where to begin? Let's see. I wanted to look at all of the kind of classic valuations or many of them, because that kind of tells us where we stand. And I did want to look at it in 2016 when Buffett bought it because it was cheap versus today in 2024 to get some kind of comparisons about, you know, is it expensive now? Is it really the valuations? And I did look on Zacks.com at the financial overview and you can get like the PE, the peg ratio, price to sales ratios, price to book there. But um, I also went into Zach's more, uh, you know, deep dive into the ZRS system, which gives me all of those ratios too. And I can go back and look back and I looked back 15 years, but in this case, I did want to look at 2016 and compare to 2024 because that's when Buffett bought it. So let's take a look at the price to book ratio first. Again, he bought in 2016. So I'm just going with the highs and lows from that year not by like what quarter he bought it in. But the high on the price to book ratio was 4.77. The low was 3.94. And remember, value investors mostly look for three and under, but this isn't that much higher than that. So it's not causing any angst. But 2024 price to book highs for this year so far, 38.4. Yes, 38.4. Low is 38.06. So right around 38 is the current price to book ratio. And again, Buffett bought it um, in between right around four up to maybe 4.7. Okay, so right out of the gate, it's looking a little expensive in 2024. Um, forward PE, let's look at that basic metric. I always thought he bought it around 10 times. The high in 2016 for the forward PE was 13.6 and the low was 10.6. So I'm, I wasn't that far off in remembering it was around 10 times. So maybe he did get it near the lows, but that's pretty low. Anything under 15, again, remember for forward PE is what I mostly look for, but sometimes under 20 still gets you a cheapness factor, but certainly under 15, is going to be in that classic value range. Currently, 2024, the high for this year is 28. The low is 27.8. So we know that's not cheap. The PE is, has been an issue, and that's why um, people have been complaining about the PE. Um, price to sales ratio. Remember, one and under tells you it's a value. Um, in tech, it's always been a little bit higher. And uh, anything over 10 has kind of been more extreme on the price to sales ratio. In 2016, when he bought it, the high was 2.8 and the low was 2.2. So it's pretty cheap. It didn't quite get to the classic, but for a tech, techie kind of oriented company, that's pretty cheap. Current price to sales is at the 15 year high, but it's at, um, uh, what is it at? Uh, thought I had it in here. Oh, 7.3 is where it is right now. And I thought I wrote it down for the lows. 
Um, well, we know from the financial overview that the current one is 7.3. That's pretty high. That is at a 15-year high. When I looked at the 15-year data on Apple that we have here at Zacks, and the prior high to this year, 2024, was actually in 2010 when it was 4.7 as the high that year. Um, so that's pretty uh, extended as well for the price to sales ratio. And then I did take a look at price to free cash flow because Buffett really likes free cash flow companies. That's why he has Apple. That's why he loves it. I mean, it's just generating cash over cash over cash. They're buying back shares, but they got a big cash hoard sitting there. He just loves it. Uh, price to free cash flow when he bought it, the high was 11.6. The low was 8.5. Currently, high is 26.8 and the low is 26.6. So a lot more expensive for that, that free cash flow based on the price now. But what is a good free cash flow? Uh, a good one is usually under 10. In back testing at Zacks, uh, a price to free cash flow performs the best, the stock, when it's zero to 10. And then the second group, 10 to 20, obviously. But over 30 and then over 40, no good. But Apple's not trading over 30. So it's in that kind of no man's land of 20 to 30 where it's not good but it's not in the doom of over 30 at least. Um, also, a lot of people always emphasize you have to compare price to free cash flow with companies in their industry because just because you know under 10 means it's cheap, it might not be in that particular industry. And certainly it might not be in tech. So I took a look at a few of the, the competitors that I consider to be kind of competitors, Sony, their price to free cash flow right now in 2024 is at 25. That's the high. The low this year has been 21.9. Meta is at 29. The low has been 23 there. So remember, Apple's at 26.8 is the high, 26.6 is the low. So it's in line with its peers on the price to free cash flow. So I'm not seeing, you know, red flags there. But overall, a lot of the valuations are stretched. They're certainly much higher than when Buffett bought it in 2016. Maybe that's why he's not adding to his position at all. And he actually sold some in the fourth quarter, but I don't feel that was a valuation sell at all. He has sold some shares over the years just to kind of keep that position around 50% of the equity portfolio. Like when it gets up, uh, when the stock is rallying and it's up at like 55%, he does tend to sell some so that it doesn't, you know, dominate the equity portfolio, even though it already does at 50%. But what about Alphabet? I haven't talked about them. Ticker G-O-O-G-L. I own it in my own personal portfolio, but I've been thinking a lot about it recently here in 2024, because while people are talking about Apple lagging, so has been Alphabet. Seems to be struggling on a couple fronts. It just uh, had to uh, withdraw its Gemini uh, chat GPT thing that the AI that launched because they had issues with it almost right away. So that had to be pulled back, which is a little bit embarrassing. It's had some analysts cutting estimates a bit. So what is going on with Alphabet? And it just crossed my mind that 
maybe Buffett, who is sitting on $168 billion now, but who claimed in the annual letter that there's simply no companies, even globally, that are cheap enough for him to you know, deploy his cash, that maybe Alphabet is staring at him right there on the screen, and it could be an addition to the Berkshire por- portfolio going forward. Is Alphabet actually cheap as it kind of lags here? Or are we all just kind of thinking, you know, oh, its PE is down, but that's about it, and it's still expensive elsewhere? So I took a look at it the same way I looked just now at Apple. Um, Over the last year, Alphabet shares are up 47.7%, and it was hitting new highs earlier this year. But it's pulled back off of that a bit. And over the last three months, the shares are down now 0.2%. And this is while the QQQ is actually up 11.8. And the VOO, which is the S&P 500, is up 11.4. So you can see why, again, Alphabet shareholders a little anxious over the last three months here and most of 2024, because while it hit those highs, it's now on the decline. But um, what what else has been going on? As we know, Alphabet has, over the last year, been beating the S&P 500. That's up 27.2. And it's running right in line with the QQQs over the last year, up 48.2 for the QQQ. And one year, Alphabet up 47.7. So you can't complained too much over the last year, but much like Apple, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And when you're uh, lagging over the last three months and tech has been red hot, you start to ask these questions. But is Alphabet cheap enough for Berkshire? Could it deploy some of its cash into here or even maybe the lieutenants if they have any cash? One of the lieutenants did buy Amazon in 2019, remember? And it was much more expensive then. Would some of the lieutenants be eyeing Alphabet as well? Well, let's take a look, starting with the PE. So in 2024, the high on the PE has been 20.9. The low is 20.5. So right around 20 is where we've been hanging out in 2024. That is the cheapest forward PE since 2012 for Alphabet, when it had a high of 21.3, but a low of 15.4. So it's been 12 years since Alphabet was this cheap on a PE basis. Um, As a comparison, S&P 500 PE is at 21.3. So it's even a little cheaper than the S&P 500, but no one's actually claiming, you know, 21.3 is dirt cheap either. <laughs> that is definitely above the average for the S&P. So it's cheap on its own relative basis compared to its own history, but it's not that cheap compared to the overall market. And it's certainly not at 15 times or at the 10 times he bought Apple at. But what about the price to sales ratio? That's a key ratio as well. 2024, the high for Alphabet has been 5.7, the low 5.6, so right around 5.7, let's just call it. It hasn't uh, been over 10 in 15 years, so that's a positive if you um, you know, are thinking it's stretched here. And the high for Alphabet was in 2021 at 
0.93, and the low was in 2011 at 4.7. So it's kind of right in the middle of between its highest ever price to sales ratio and the low. The S&P 500 right now is is lower at 4.2, but this is uh, fairly low for a tech company, which does have higher price to sales ratios historically. And remember, um, Mike, our, uh, Apple is at seven point, what did I say? 7.3 right now. So this is cheaper than what Apple is trading at for sure. Then I took a look at price to book. The high in 2024 was 6.19, the low 6.13. So basically 6.1. So that hasn't changed much in 2024. Um, it hasn't been over nine in 15 years. And the low was at three in 2011, was also the low in the price to sales ratio. So it got real cheap in 2011. Um, S&P on the price to book is at 6.17. So right around where uh, Alphabet is right now. So it's in line with the S&P. And remember, Apple price to book, however, is 38.4 is the high, 38.06 is the low. So 38 versus 6.1 for Apple right here. And then I took a look at price to free cash flow because Buffett loves it. And 2024, the high is at 25.4. The low is at 25.1. The 15-year high was in 2021 when the stock was soaring and all of the NASDAQ was soaring. It was at 41. But the low was in 2010 at 15.9. So this is in line with Apple's and Sony's and a little bit cheaper than Meta here for Alphabet. So it is in line with its kind of pure, large, mega cap techie type companies. Um, I did take a look a little deeper at the free cash flow because, again, Buffett loves it. 2023 uh, total free cash flow was up 15.8% to $69.4 billion. That's up from 60 billion in 2022, but in 2021, which was the kind of uh, really bullish COVID year, it was up. Uh, it was very uh, big in 2021 at 67 billion, and that was up 56 percent from 2020. The pre-pandemic level in 2019 was at 30.9 billion, so they've more than doubled in the last five years, that free cash flow. In the fourth quarter of 2023, it was 7.8 billion. And that was similar to what the free cash flow was in all of 2010. So they're really crushing it. All these big companies are on the free cash flow side. The cash on hand at the end of 2023 was 110.9 billion. And that's actually down just a little bit from 2022 when it was 113.7 billion. And you might be thinking, well, how could they have free cash flow going up 15.8% to 69 billion? And the cash on hand actually went down. And they actually have laid off a lot of employees and cut costs and other methods and ways. And so how are they having less cash on hand? Well, they are doing this huge share buyback plan. They did it in 2022. They announced it again in April 2023. It was $70 billion both times. So basically, this free cash flow is just going right back to the shareholders 
uh, mostly, and it is buying back the shares. Now, Buffett does like share buyback programs. He is not a big fan of the dividends, but he likes share buybacks as long as the company is doing it when the stock is fairly cheap, which Alphabet is right now, as we just recounted. On a historical basis, it's it's fairly cheap, not as quite as low as 2010, 2011 in a lot of the classic value ratios, but it still um, is much cheaper than it has been in the last three years. And so he might think this is a good uh, use of the $70 billion in both of these years to buy back shares. That helps you as a shareholder because there's fewer shares out there. And it also puts a floor a lot of times when a share buyback is this big underneath the stock because it is a, if it's declining like it is right now, the company can go in and say, hey, we're going to buy like 5 billion shares today. And then they do and they put a floor under it. Um, so why else would Buffett like Alphabet? As I mentioned, I own it in my own personal portfolio. So I do managed to follow some of what is going on. And the reason I like Alphabet right now is for YouTube. So for years, Alphabet said YouTube didn't make any money, even though it was running the ads over there um, and there was all these creators and there were YouTube stars, remember those years? And they had like, uh, they were opening up studios so that YouTube creators could go into those studios and make good quality videos, but now you don't need the studios because you can buy cameras, lighting, everything, and just make it at home. And so the creators are, the YouTube quality is, uh, I think, outstanding now. A lot of people have got a lot of practice over the last like 10 years. Um, but YouTube uh, has launched several new things. So they have YouTube Premium, which I believe YouTube Premium is where you can avoid the ads. So you can subscribe to that so you're not getting the ad breaking in on you all the time. They have YouTube Music. They have YouTube TV now. And they did announce in January of 2024 that the number of subscribers to YouTube TV is up to 8 million. That's high. That's among the highest of, of the subscriber services um, and that's up from 5 million just in June, 2022. So in about 18 months, they've added 3 million subscribers. YouTube TV is real popular. They've got that NFL Sunday ticket and they are saying that that's big driver to YouTube TV. And although they didn't give us the actual number of people and you know who who is subscribed based on the NFL Sunday ticket or who's buying it as a standalone, which I believe you can do, even if you're not a subscriber to YouTube TV, but don't quote me on that. Um, they also have uh, announced that the digital services, which includes YouTube Premium, YouTube Music, YouTube TV, and Google One Cloud Storage, that made 50 billion for the year in 2023. This is the first time they've actually, I believe, told us how much all these things are making. They did not parse out who's doing what. Like, it's, is most of the money coming from YouTube TV? Is it coming from the cloud storage? Um, how, many, how much is from the YouTube premium? But that's, that's how it rolls with these big companies. They tell us select good data, right? But it is good to know that the digital services made 15 billion that's kind of the um, key because these are people who are paying, you know, month over month, every month. 
And those are just kind of easy revenues to bring in. Now, this is nothing compared to the subscriber revenues of Apple, which, you know, are much bigger than 15 billion for the year. I think they're doing over that per quarter now, or like 20 billion plus per quarter. But uh, this is the first time we're hearing about any of these kind of subscription services and how much they're making from Alphabet. Uh, There's also another aspect to YouTube that they haven't told us about for a number of years, but that just hit a record in the fourth quarter as well. And that's a line item on when they report on their balance sheet that just says YouTube ad revenue. And that is the advertising revenue that goes onto the videos that many of us you know, try to skip or whatever we do, or we buy YouTube premium to ignore it. But a lot of advertisers are wanting to be on YouTube now because it's just the content and the number of people watching now on YouTube continues to grow and they feel like it's good use of their ad dollars. So ad revenue was up 15.5% to 9.2 billion in just that quarter. That's how much they made off of YouTube ad revenues. And that's not included in that subscription digital services that I was talking about. That's not included in the 15 billion. So 9.2 billion, that was an all-time high, quarterly all-time high. And um, it's, I took a look going back, you know, to when the pandemic busted out and we were all sitting at home. We wanted to be on Pinterest and we were on YouTube. We were watching videos at home. But even back then, it was, um, you know, around four to five billion is what the ad revenue was bringing in those initial quarters. So almost doubled what was going on just at the start of the pandemic. So I really like YouTube in general, that whole business. And I would own Alphabet just for YouTube. And I've already been complaining, hey, they need to spin this off somehow, but they're not gonna, not when they've not when they're getting these, you know, subscription services. Also, they're expecting to launch like an entire, or maybe they have launched a YouTube podcast segment on there because they do have YouTube music, but the podcasts have been somewhat um, in some of these other categories and they are trying to separate those out as well. So they could have some more revenue coming from the, a podcast, separate podcast page that would be competing with like Spotify basically. So Alphabet um, is interesting, but let's discuss some of Buffett's you know, buying criteria, right? Over the years, he's made it known what he kind of looks for. The first thing would be that it's a moat. He likes businesses where no one else is in it or they are the leaders in whatever that business is. And Alphabet, as I was just discussing with YouTube, is one of the leaders, at least on both search and also now with YouTube. Um, Some people, and this is why the stock has been lagging, are thinking search could be in danger with AI and that that business is going to possibly struggle or see declines on the advertising side um, as people use uh, Google search much less than they were previously. But that remains to be seen. Uh, Nobody really knows how much it's going to impact uh, Google and whether or not they will be able to overcome it some way as well. So for now, it is a business and that's why I like it. He likes, as I mentioned earlier, businesses with good free cash flow. Well, this one has it. 
they're, uh, you know, growing that good free cash flow again. And so that's what he likes to see. He does like to see sound management. And uh, for the last several years, Alphabet has had that. And then a criteria that I have imposed onto Berkshire, (laughs) um, this isn't Buffett's criteria, but it is mine on Berkshire, is that pretty much he's restricted to buying the big caps, like he is with Occidental Petroleum. It's just, it doesn't really help him to buy, buy a company that outright, at least, or even to buy equities in it in some small caps. There have been some recently in the portfolio, like Stone Company, which they just sold, but it doesn't really move the needle. It's too small. And now he has $168 billion. What does it help him to buy um, into a small cap that maybe has a market cap of a billion dollars? And he's he's spending $200 million to buy some shares. Like That's not really going to move the needle. But Alphabet is one of the mega caps, and it's not really a problem Um buying in there and he can buy in a lot before he even reaches like a 5% ownership type of a deal on a company like Alphabet. So that gives him a little bit more freedom. A lot of times he doesn't want to own 5% or more because there's a more regulatory uh, restrictions on you. So Alphabet would be easy. It's kind of like when they bought Amazon, they did buy a fairly small position into Amazon but he has all that cash sitting there. It wouldn't be hard to just deploy some of it into this mega cap. So why not Alphabet? This is what I've been thinking. Um, we're going to only time will tell whether or not some of the lieutenants or Buffett himself are keeping it on their watch list, so to speak. It's much cheaper than Apple on all the metrics. It has a similar feel to everything he likes. And it's gotten cheaper in the last couple of months. You could wait to see if there's a bigger sell-off in the overall market and if the shares come down further. It does have that 70 billion share buyback plan, but in a you know a bigger market type correction, um, it still may not be that might not be enough to to really stop it from declining a bit more. So maybe he's going to be a little patient and wait and kind of see over the next couple of months. But despite the missteps with AI and that threat to search, you do have to like some of Alphabet's other businesses here. Um, I do take a look, just one last comparison with Apple on the sales and earnings outlooks for this year and uh, next on both of them. And uh, sales for Alphabet expected to be up 11.7% in 2024, and then another 11.2% in 2025. So even at its mega cap size, and that is over $318 billion in sales for 2025, it's still managing double-digit sales growth, which is just incredibly impressive. I don't know how they continue to do it because Apple can't continue to do it and hasn't been for a little while now. So fiscal 2024 sales expected to be up just 0.6%, so not even 1%. And everybody knows the sales that's been kind of flat to down. Fiscal 2025, analysts see a little bit of improvement up 5%. Although Apple did just put the kibosh on its electric vehicle it's rotating those people back into AI. So who knows where they're going to come up with something that's kind of uh, propelling more growth. Um, earnings, 
Google expected to be up 16.9% this year and 14.6% next year. Apple, fiscal 2024, up 7%. Fiscal 2025, up 8.4%. So uh, Alphabet still able to do double-digit earnings growth once again, and Apple back down to the single digits. Um, not really surprising there either, given what's happening with the sales. So you got to be liking what you're looking at with Apple. Alphabet, even as a value investor, these are still some phenomenal um, numbers for uh, Alphabet, and it's much cheaper on almost every metric except price to free cash flow than Apple is here at this time. Value investors like stocks that are being ignored or out of favor. We want to get those earnings as cheaply as possible. I would consider Alphabet to be a value stock here. And so we're going to just have to wait and see, will Buffett or a lieutenant take a closer look soon? Will they be diving in? Um, maybe they will wait for further weakness in the stock. It's looking a little weak here, like I mentioned, over the last three months. Reason to rush in, right? Um, but us value investors, we're known for our patience. And as I mentioned, I own it in the in my own personal portfolio. But now, even after doing this podcast, I'm thinking maybe I should add some more um, at these levels as well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if Alphabet maybe could become a part of the Berkshire portfolio at some time in the future. But let me recap what stocks we talked about. Of course, there was Apple, AAPL, we have Alphabet. I use G-O-O-G-L as a ticker. I mentioned Sony. It's one of my favorite tech companies, but price-free cash flow is kind of in line on that one. Um, ticker S-O-N-Y is the ticker. Meta Platforms, I also mentioned that. Uh, it's been on fire. Price-free cash flow, also similar to the other tech giants. Uh, Meta, M-E-T-A. Microsoft, I own that in my own personal portfolio as well. Um, it's up bigger. We didn't look at the free cash flow on that one, but earnings are on the rise for Microsoft. So it's not as expensive as it used to be. Ticker M as in Mary, S, F as in Frank, P as in Tom, M, S, F, T. And then, of course, Berkshire Hathaway busted out to a new all-time high just recently in 2024 and was grinding higher, had pretty good earnings report. Uh, but Seems like a lot of it's priced in, so it has taken a breather here. It's not that cheap here either. Maybe I should do another episode on Berkshire. Um, ticker is B as in boy, R as in Robert, K, uh, dot, B as in boy. It's one of the weird ones with the dot or the dash. On Yahoo Finance, they use dash B as a boy. So it's BRK dot B on Saks. I always just put in BRK and see what, what comes up. And then you get the A shares and the B shares usually with the dash or the dot or however that platform is putting it on there. And then I click on that one. Um, so that's what I recommend. That's a little my little tidbit of finding the Berkshire ticker. Um, but as always, you should uh, subscribe on one of the podcast platforms to get all of our podcasts and to get the value investor every week. You can get us on Apple. We're on Spotify. We are on YouTube. Put in Zach's podcast and that gives you 
um, a bunch of our podcasts there, including ETF Spotlight, and you'll get the Value Investor and the Market Edge as the podcast, the listen only, not as the video. And you can also get the Earnings Outlook podcast there too. There's a bunch of them. So I do recommend YouTube as well. Um, But we are on all these platforms now with podcasts. So be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stuff. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.